Pandemonium Reigns. Pandemonium Reigns podcast. What is up? It's your boy Mike. Flying solo here today. Uh, gearing up to talk about some of these Week 12 matchups. Uh, while looking back at some Week 11 results, some of the games that we previewed this time last week. Uh, we thank you so much for tuning in. Go ahead, press like, uh, share, subscribe, let your friends, let your family know about the Pandemonium Reigns podcast. Um, and let's go ahead and dive right into it. Uh, week 11, vintage college football weekend, if you ask me. Just some wild results. Uh, again, going to use those to kind of look ahead towards the end of the season. I mean, it's coming into focus. Uh, the rankings are getting super tight. We're approaching rivalry week. Um, we'll be previewing rivalry week in, in a one week's time uh, because everyone's about to play their next to last game of the season for the most part. Uh, probably some select ex uh, exclusions to that across the country. But again, just want to talk about, again, what happened in week 11 while looking at what we've got on deck for week 12. Thank you so much for tuning in. All right, getting right into the games from week 11 that we're going to start off with uh, Utah at Washington. Washington pulling off a seven-point home win against the Utes. The season probably of what-ifs if you're a Utah fan continues um, because just yet another, and this one a close loss to an absolute playoff contender, someone that's right in the hunt to be one of the last four teams standing with a Heisman candidate running their, their show uh, and Michael Penix Jr., uh, the Utes fall just a little bit short. They lead going into half by four. They lead 28 to 24 uh, before ultimately giving up 11 points in the third quarter and and not adding uh, to their lead or padding their lead um, or mounting uh, a comeback effort ultimately in this game. It was back and forth. It was a pretty balanced game. There was certainly not a whole lot of domination from one side or the other. Um, you did have Washington winning the total yardage battle by about 70 yards. They held the ball for ultimately nine minutes longer in the game, all all contributing factors. Uh, but again, I think so many what-ifs for the Utes. You know, what if what if Cam Rising was healthy? What if, what if you had depth that you might have seen at a college football program prior to the Transfer Portal Express opening up and, and really thinning out rosters? Uh, obviously, teams have used it to their advantage as well. You know, there are teams with – Legitimate depth. Uh, you look at, you know, and this is such a weird example at this spot, but Texas A&M, what would they be? And they just fired their coach in a 49-point win, but what would they be if they didn't have Max Johnson on that squad? You know, uh, you look at Ole Miss and the way that they brought in quarterbacks ahead of the season, bringing in Spencer Sanders, uh, bringing in the other LSU transfer, Max Johnson being one of those at Texas A&M, bringing in the other, I think it's Walker Howard, uh, who's a Rebel, and we'll talk about the Rebels in just a minute. Uh, but again, you know, what ifs, if you had more quarterback depth, if you had just maybe more playmakers for the, the quarterbacks that have played uh, at receiver or at tight end to kind of propel you through losing a guy, a veteran like Cam Rising, as hard as that can be to do. Um, but again, not many teams that have that kind of depth. That's just kind of the sport as it is right now. Not um, terribly sold on the Huskies and how they've been playing um, after the Oregon win, as impressive as it was. I don't love their chances in, you know, a potential rematch uh, or just outright surviving kind of 
what they have left. They're going to travel to Oregon State. They're road two-and-a-half-point underdogs at Oregon State, the eight-and-two Beavers, uh, here in Week 12. Probably not something I'm going to have a, ch a chance to dedicate a lot of my Saturday to. I do hope to be able to see parts of that game, if not, uh, you know, most of it. But Washington, it's, I mean, you're looking right out of berth. If, if, you, can, if you can just handle business a little bit longer, if you can just – you know, spread your resources out long enough to carry you there. You've certainly got such a weapon in Phoenix Jr. that I think anything can happen. That's the beautiful benefit in college football of having a, a star-studded quarterback like, like that, uh, star receivers like they have. Um, again, wish I had, you know, just a, a totally free Saturday and I could watch that game because Oregon State, not a bad squad, 8-2. and two. Um, Really love what they've got going on there. Um, you know, getting – a lot of good out of DJ Uyunglele, the best of him for sure. In uh, Utah, now they're going to travel to Arizona in a battle of seven and three teams. If you again, I'm just going to ask for the receipts. If you had Arizona at seven and three through ten games, I just need to see uh, the receipts on that. I believe I'm about to confirm here. I believe Utah is a one-point road favorite at Arizona. Uh, excuse me, Arizona, a one-point home favorite. So being the home team, Vegas doesn't really know what to do with it. Clearly, um, if it was a neutral side game, that's telling me that Utah would be favored or certainly if it was a home game for them. Uh, you know, wouldn't mind. It's, it's, it's right there uh, smack dab in the middle of the day at 2.30 uh, Eastern. If I had a chance to watch some of that one as well, it's just it's probably not going to fall in in line as the uh, the real-life calendar gets busier and busier this time of year. But, yeah, I just think what is for the Utes? Washington, they've got to continue to to outlast teams if they have to win in whatever form and fashion that they can because I certainly don't like their chances of getting as in as a one-loss team. All the chaos that can happen everywhere else across the sport would really, really hurt them, I think, if they – uh, ended the regular season and, and conference championship season as a one-loss team. I think they have to really, really, they really need to uh, be an undefeated team once the dust settles uh, for their berth. Even though, even though they've got a pretty impressive resume, I just don't like their chances when you look at maybe Alabama wins the SEC, maybe, maybe a one-loss Big Ten champion. Not looking like it's going to be that way, but again, it could be. You just never know. Um, you know, all the chaos that, that we just have come to expect and, and, and know, you better get it to the to the finish line uh, undefeated, I think, if you're Washington. All righty, next game on the precap, uh, looking back at week 11 and then previewing what is to come in week 12 is the Miami Hurricanes at the Florida State Seminoles in week 11, where you had typical Miami uh, tied to the half with these undefeated uh all signs indicating that they're a playoff team, Seminoles. You know, they've got a little work left to do, obviously, as, as every team that that makes it will do, None, you know, obviously. But they're tied at the half uh, with these Seminoles that have been playing better than them on the whole. They are undefeated. They are star-studded at the skill positions and uh, in really select other positions across the field. They look like a juggernaut this year. Um, didn't matter because Miami, again, tied at half before ultimately losing the second half 17 to, to 10 and losing this game by a touchdown. Um, I know Keon Coleman didn't really lead the way statistically for the Knowles in this game, but that, my God, that touchdown that he had on the jump ball from Jordan Travis, 
uh, had a huge punt return to kind of set things up uh, as well in this game. The thing that I don't like for, for Florida State in this is that Miami was, as a team, because you had it split up between um, Emory Williams and Tyler Van Dyke, Miami 10 for 30 as a team passing in this game. Now, they, they managed 204 yards on 10 completions with two touchdowns and one interception on, again, 10 for 30. You had 20 incompletions and 10 completions on 30 attempts. That's hideous. And you gave up a ton of yards for for the that low amount of, of completions that you gave up. Don't love that. That means you were, were really getting, to me, killed on the big play. Uh, Miami had Jacoby George go off for five receptions, 153 yards and two touchdowns. I don't love that. The reason I don't love that is because, you know, imagine that that this was the conference championship game. You've got, and, and obviously Miami, the Hurricanes are not a conference championship caliber opponent through 10 games. That, that's clear. But let's just say, you know, you've, you're facing Georgia. You're facing Washington and the way that they spread the ball around. Let's say that LSU was was clean. Uh, they didn't have the losses and the poor defense that they have, and they're in the playoff. And you're about to face Jaden Daniels, who, my God, we'll get to in a minute. Brian Thomas, Malik Neighbors, or Lad McConkey, Brock Bauer, you name it. You're facing that opponent. You gave up 204 yards and, and two touchdowns on 10 completions. I love that you forced 20 incompletions. I absolutely cannot believe, and I'm in disbelief, that you gave up the amount of explosion on 10 completions. I don't like that. I don't think that bodes well for you. I mean, it could it could bode poorly for you against the Gators, as, as limited as they've been, uh, as bad as they've been in moments uh their defense is also very suspect, so I mean you should be able to give it right back to them if they if they make it a shootout. But just things I don't like. I mean, a very uh, or a, excuse me, a pretty balanced attack from Florida State. Now they only managed fifty seven team rushing yards because uh, Miami clearly sacked the mess out of Jordan Travis, and he he you know because of the way statistics are are tallied in college football, he manages or he ends the game with negative thirty rush yards. Uh, that's not ideal. But you did have Trey Benson go 16 for 80, uh, managing five yards per carry on his way of doing that, and two touchdowns, two huge touchdowns, obviously. Uh, Jordan Travis just kind of doing more of what he does, 19 of 31, 265, a touchdown, no picks. Good job taking care of the ball there. Uh, it was Johnny Wilson and Ja'Kai Douglas who who did the heavy lifting again uh, as receiving targets. But again, my God, Keon Coleman, what an addition he's been. I don't think this team is near the position they're at with just literally one guy in Keon Coleman and and the explosion that he's had uh, in Tallahassee. Love to see it um, in, in the sport. These two teams couldn't really be on more different paths in Week 12, uh, both in the win-loss column and the opponents that they play now. Uh, you'll have Miami hoping to avoid their fifth loss of the year uh, as they're, again, now sitting at six and four on the year. Uh, they are a one-point home favorite against the nine-and-one Louisville Cardinals. There's not – you couldn't give me the money. If you gave me the money to bet on M Miami at home against Louisville, I'd just pocket it. There's no way. There's no way I'm betting uh, Miami to win the game against Louisville, nine-and-one Louisville, because, again, of the home field disadvantage that they kind of play under, the, the, the poor showings that they get, the poor results that they give – Cristobal and his ridiculously terrible uh, ACC home record. There's just no way. Uh, and, and Florida State's going to cruise to win number 11. 
uh, over North Alabama. Yay. Can't wait to see that matchup. Uh, before, again, ultimately going to the Swamp, the Gators will look to uh, derail the, the Seminoles and their playoff and, and national championship aspirations. I say good luck to them doing that because of the season that they've had. Uh, the Gators sitting at 5-5 five and five currently. Just, again, I'd be shocked, but it is, you know, again, a sport full where uh, you get these shocking results, you get these these crazy outcomes, um, and you get coaches fired and, and paid $77 million to go away and not do their job anymore. Sign me up for that. Uh, it is the sport that we love. But, again, Seminoles 27, Hurricanes 20. Uh, FSU, again, just looking to, to keep it rolling and, and to cruise into the playoffs. Next on the docket, uh, look at again. In the rearview mirror, you had the Alabama Crimson Tide murder the Kentucky Wildcats in Lexington at Kroger Field, 49-21 beatdown on the road. Um, just wow, what a turnaround from Alabama, from Jalen Milrow, from the GOAT, Nick Saban. I'm sorry, he still is the GOAT. Uh, they clinched the SEC West. Uh, in this 28-point drubbing of of Milrow, uh, of Milrow, I'm looking at my notes. You can you can probably tell that of Kentucky, they murdered Kentucky while Milrow tallied six touchdowns on the day. Kentucky, I just don't know what to make of you. You're six and four. You're wasting loads and loads of talent. This will segue really really nicely into the next game and and the next two teams that I look at, uh, and you'll understand why when when we get there. But you're wasting Devin Leary, who was, I, we, we keep talking about it, one of the, what, top three, at worst, top five transfer quarterback additions in, in the 2023 season. A guy who I've said countless times I would have taken at Tennessee to either battle with Joe Milton or to beat him out or to, you know, whatever. Just you name it. I would have taken Devin Leary in a heartbeat. I would I would probably still take Dane Key and, and Barry on Brown on my teams, even though there's there's a reason those guys did end up at Kentucky in in some cases. Uh, you know, whether it's behavior, whether it's attitude, you name it. Just wasting loads and loads of talent. I didn't, you know, I wish I would have been on my game when I when I talked about this and and made an outlandish statement statement about Ray Davis like I did when when the Wildcats traveled to Athens. Uh, but I didn't make that statement because the reason I say that is Ray Davis, 26 rushing yards on 12 attempts. He, of course, he manages two touchdowns. He uh, he has two of, of Kentucky's three touchdowns on the ground uh, in a 26-yard output. Just what a waste of talent. I mean, you, you crushed the portal alone at the quarterback and running back position. Ray Davis is has proven he's a fantastic player with, with loads of ability. His team is not good enough a lot of times for him to – to really showcase that against these opponents like Georgia, like Alabama. And and look, he he had receiving yards to go along with his 59 or 60 on the money, whatever he had in Athens. Uh, but just what a absolute waste of talent uh, for Kentucky. They, uh, again, six and four, traveling to four and six South Carolina in the sadness. Uh, again, the waste of talent bowl in week 12, if you will, between the, wild, uh, the Wildcats and the Gamecocks. Uh, South Carolina wasting their fair share of talent while also dealing with a lot more injuries than than most. Uh, they've had Leggett down at times. They've had Juice Wells down a lot of other times. We've heard Shane Beamer talk about 
their issues, their health along the offensive line, the condition that they were in when they were gearing up for the season in camp. You've heard it. Uh, you've got Alabama, who I'm not done talking about yet, with the tune-up leading up to the Iron Bowl against uh, the hometown squad for your boy, the UTC Moccasins. Uh, they're going to get things, anything else they need to get ironed out before the Iron Bowl. Uh, not that it'll be the challenge that it is in some years, but it's still such a heated, bitter rivalry that it will, I'm sure be a great game. Uh, but Alabama looking to iron those things out against the UTC Mocs. Alabama, though. What a job, Nick Saban. I, I can't believe in thinking back to some of the early season wins, definitely the early season loss to Texas when they, they just, I mean, they looked like they were on life support during times of that game, during early stretches of the season. Uh, and he's, again, got them one loss, 9-1 uh, and one on the year. Outside looking into the playoff, I mean, there are certainly scenarios where Alabama gets into this last version of the the fourteen playoff. What what a turnaround for Milrow! Think about it. He's a sophomore. He's going to be uh, potentially. Think about how long it's been since Alabama's had a four year quarterback, and and what it could look like if you add two more years to Jalen Milrow's college career. Now, they're all at the same time. It's it's not like he's guaranteed the job. You know, they're they're they've got guys coming in. They've got young guys on the roster. Uh, you know, he could obviously lose his job. Think about Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa and the back and forth that it was there in the from the conference championship game through the national championship games in for a couple of years there. Think about the the back and forth of that. That could obviously happen again. I'm not saying it can't. Uh, but Milrow has has greatly improved. He's such a weapon uh, with his legs. He didn't he didn't crush Kentucky uh, in the way that he crushed LSU on the ground. He only had 36 yards on the ground. But again. That factors in sacks. He had three touchdowns on eight attempts for 36 yards, three touchdowns. That's simply uh, phenomenal is what that is. Love what they're what they're getting out of him. Uh, just wish it was for anyone else but Nick Saban in Alabama. Also want to just revisit something real quick because we've not seen a ton of garbage time play for quarterbacks at Alabama this year, just kind of due to the makeup of their team, the way their games have gone. And it's Ty Simpson in this game at Kentucky who who gets in late, one of three for 51 yards passing. Uh, kind of hilarious that he hits a bomb. Uh, no touchdowns, no picks, but kind of hilarious that he hits a bomb on his lone completion. Tyler Buckner, what were you thinking going into this situation? Talk about another guy that's going to have eligibility left uh, who would be, to me, a crazy person, a crazy man, a lunatic to stay in Tuscaloosa uh, if he does have eligibility left, I know that your your OC for Notre Dame is the OC for the Crimson Tide. Also, real quick, what a turnaround for that guy! What what an improvement he's had as the season's progressed. He's he's using his guys better. Uh, they're still not the murder ball, you know, that we all heard rumors about. That we all heard that they they talked about wanting to get back to. They're not that, but they they are impressive. I mean, I I can't believe that they've got one loss and it's still just Texas, based on what I saw early in the season. But again, Tyler Buckner, what were you doing? What were you thinking? Might be time to look into a new landing spot because again, you're not even getting the garbage time snaps uh, at this point, and you were expected to um, to compete for the job, to possibly take it away from Jalen Milrow, and that clearly didn't happen. If you'll remember, um, a moment ago I spoke of Kentucky, their waste of talent, the segue that that is uh, for the next game, uh, and that is Michigan.
24, Penn State 15. Doing it without their head coach. Uh, they did it while passing. Here, here's Michigan's pass numbers. 7 of 8, 60 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. One attempt, I think, on uh, in the second half of the game that I think didn't count because of a penalty. Maximum one attempt passing second half. Penn State still gives up 24 points. They only manage 15 of their own. What an ugly loss. To me, I've, I question what's happening with the talent once it gets to Happy Valley. Uh, never been the biggest fan of James Franklin. I mean, it's 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 hard to, to disagree with some of his work, with the Vanderbilt work. Uh, kind of, you know, keeping things rolling a little bit at Penn State. Uh, some of the guys that he's put in the league have been remarkable and have crushed it in the NFL, which brings me back to what they did in college, which I don't love. Results like this one, I think the number is four wins versus Michigan and Ohio State it, since, his, you know, since his arrival at Penn State. That is not getting it done. That makes me want to call you big game James, uh, not James Worthy, not the way that he had the clutch gene. Your big game, James Franklin, and you don't really show up in them, or your team doesn't, or they ultimately find ways to lose the game. Um, I can't believe that that Michigan won a nine-point game on the road in 2023, team struggling on the road, uh, without their head coach, without throwing the ball in the second half or needing to throw the ball in the second half. And it's not like they won by 40. That'd be one thing if they just ran it because they were up by 40 at half. No, they ran it. And they kept Penn State at bay. That's that's impressive on their defense. That's impressive on their their trenches on both sides to me. Um, and that's game control. Also, want to say that I think Sharon Moore is a future head coach. That you know, I'm not breaking any news there. I think that's obvious. Uh, his post game reaction was solid gold to me. I could just watch that. I could bottle that up, put it on replay, and I would watch it. The emotion. I loved the. the the language was hilarious to me. I'm sorry. Uh, don't sue me for that. Uh, but again, they, they get the job done in Happy Valley. I talked about when I previewed this game, Penn State probably not loving the fact that it was a nooner uh, or ultimately that it wasn't a wide-out not game in that environment that we get uh, oftentimes in Happy Valley. Uh, Michigan on the ground. We, we've talked about what they did through the air. On the ground as a team, 46 attempts. 227 yards, three touchdowns. Blake Corum doing the heavy lifting as he often has the last couple of years. 26 attempts, 145 yards, and two touchdowns. Listen to this. His 26 attempts, that's 16 more than Donovan Edwards, uh, and he still managed 5.6 per carry. Now, he did have a long of 44 yards mixed in there, so he had about 25 car other carries for 100 yards. I don't care. Look at the condition he was in, bruised up, bleeding, after the game, Donovan Edwards still doing 10 for 52 and a touchdown. J.J. McCarthy doing his thing with 8 and uh, 34, I think it is, on the ground. That's that's totally J.J.'s game. He's, he can he can do so much uh, with his legs and, and moving the ball around through the air. Penn State, you had two, uh, two guys outrush Nicholas Singleton. Uh, that's your quarterback, Drew Aller, and uh, your other running back, Keytron Allen. Uh, interesting there to me. They, you know, Penn State, we talked about what Michigan did through the air. Penn State, not a lot different. 10 for 22 for 70 yards. Uh, one touchdown, no pick. Obviously, not the completion percentage that Michigan had when they did pass the ball. 
Uh, you only manage 10 more yards on three more completions and 14 more attempts. Don't love any of that. Uh, here's the other thing. It's, it's you know, Michigan wins the yardage battle by 50, by 49 yards. They they win the time of possession battle. Again, think about the rushing numbers and, and what they didn't do through the air. They win the time of possession battle by six and a half minutes. Just what a bonkers game and result that was. Uh, can't get over it. Penn State, they're still looking at they're they're still sitting, excuse me, at eight and two, heading into week twelve. Um against six and four Rutgers, they are twenty and a half point home favorites. That's a big number, I think, when you talk about the letdown of this game, the letdown of the Ohio State game, Rutgers being a little bit improved, uh, and Shiano doing some of the old old Shiano things at Rutgers. It's a little bit weird of a, a large number. Uh you've got Michigan who who listen. We all know that the game is coming in week 13 in rivalry week. You better watch your your back. You better handle your business at Maryland. 19-point road favorites at Maryland. I know that Maryland's not a world beater. I, I just can't get over the fact that, you know, you can't overlook them, especially without your head coach, all the drama in the world. I still want the documentary out. I still want the movie, uh, the Hollywood movie with, uh, you know, just star stud that thing and give me the story of Connor Stallions in Michigan. Uh, but again, 19-point road favorites at Maryland. You better not slip up. Boy, you would really waste an opportunity that you're, you've got uh, down the line if you do uh, before rivalry week 13 and the game. But Wolverines get the win 24-15 at Happy Valley. Good riddance, James Franklin. All right, all right, all right. Got one more major game uh, from week 11 that I want to, again, look back at and then preview for both these teams what's coming down the line. Before I do that, I want to tell you about our wonderful sponsor, uh, North Forsyth Training and Fitness, located at 4015 Browns Bridge Road. Uh, if you're in the coming area and you're looking to change your life physically or looking for a new gym, NFTF is the place for you. Uh, Jesse Foster, owner and head coach, has got all the credentials and experience that you would need to reach your goals. He's got morning classes that run 5.30, 7.30, and 9. Afternoon classes, 3.30, 4.30, 5.30, and 6.30. Surely there's a time uh, for you to, to schedule a class and get over to NFTF. Uh, it's a community-driven gym. Not only you achieving your goals, you're doing so uh, with a group of people that you will call your community and your friends if you're interested in NFTF, contact Jesse Foster today. See what it's all about. You can contact him at 706-633-6609. You also got to let him know that the boys at Pandemonium Reigns Podcast sent you, sent you to him. All right. One more major look back. Like I said, Ole Miss getting absolutely splattered by Georgia, 52-17. to 17. This game, y'all, this game was tied 14 apiece with 14 roughly minutes left in the second quarter, much like the the Florida-Georgia game, uh, with just a minor differences here, the score is then 45-17 to 17 before Ole Miss manages three more points. And that came two full quarters later, 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter before Ole Miss scored their final three points of the game. Uh, the game ends up 52-17. to 17. Georgia gets in everybody and their mama that they would want to get into this game, getting Brock Vandergriff in the game, getting, you know, all the running backs in the game, all the, the receivers and all the backups, the four and five star backups. This, I think I saw a six star backup get into this game. Uh, 
Georgia just doing what they do, what they've done. It reminds me, again, so much of the Florida game, except Ole Miss is a much, much better team in 2023 than the Florida Gators, which is weird. Uh, but it's true. They are better. They're well, you know, well coached. They probably have similar talent, uh, if not better. Certainly, Quinshawn Judkins is a stud. Uh, we've seen Jackson Dart play some good ball. He had a kind of average day, 10 of 17, 112. No touchdowns, one pick. Judkins, speaking of him, 22 attempts, 75 yards. That's only good for 3.4 per carry. He did get two touchdowns on those 22 carries. Um, and he also had 14 more on the ground. But again, just Georgia doing what they what they do. Here's the, the terrifying and scary thing for any, any opponent, anyone that doesn't like Georgia, anyone that thinks, hey, we might match up with Georgia in the playoff. We might, we might see them down the line. Here's the thing. They don't have the defense that they have. We've all talked about that. We've all recognized that. In the interior, you're going to get a little more push here and there. On the outside, you know, don't throw it at, at Lassiter, but you can, you, you can find some yards here and there. You know, again, Ole Miss only doing enough to find 17 points on the road. Let's, let's call that at least, you know, managing 17 points on the road in Athens. Here's what Georgia has not done before now. This year, not not this week, but this year, Beck had, th or excuse me, Georgia passing 311. 306 of those were from Beck. Two touchdowns, one pick. On the ground, 35 attempts, 300 yards, and five touchdowns, y'all. 8.6 yards per carry. 35 attempts, 300 yards, five touchdowns. That's new. That's And again, it's not like they haven't been capable of doing that. That's just not what we've seen them do. That's that's elite balance in the – tell me – all right, a team goes for 600 yards, as Georgia did. How often is it, you know, a million yards passing or or rushing, and then you did an average amount of the other? 311 to 300 in the yards category to get you to 611. That is outstanding. That's different than what they've been doing. Again, you can't convince me that it's not. And I'm not even bashing Stetson Bennett or, or any, you know – Jake Fromm, I'm not bashing those guys. I'm not bashing uh, previous coordinators, you know, as opposed to what Bobo's doing now. I'm just saying they are clicking on all cylinders at the absolute perfect time for their three-peat aspirations. Uh, Ole Miss is looking at a tune-up, really a couple of tune-ups. And, and, and look, I'm not adding, uh, you know, continuing to, to bash Mississippi State while they're down. What a, what a tough situation for Arnett to walk into. It's hard to believe that he finds himself without a job and he'll land back on his feet as a coordinator in no time. Maybe even another head coach opportunity down the line. I mean, it's it's a it was a tough spot. It always was going to be, but Mississippi, uh, Ole Miss, that is with a tune up against two and eight UL Monroe uh, on on Saturday at noon before again traveling to the Bulldogs of Mississippi State, uh, Georgia, and we'll spend a little bit more time here because you know that we're your boys that we love our balls. But we ain't going to spend much time. Georgia traveling to Knoxville, 10-point road favorites. You could put that number at 20 right now, and I'd probably bet Georgia if I was someone that bet on my team, being the balls. If I was someone that still did a lot of sports betting, I'd bet Georgia to cover three touchdowns with no thought about it. Uh, Georgia obviously will close it out with the, the Yellow Jackets in Atlanta, in rivalry week, uh, week 13, they've already clinched their path, as, as as has Alabama for yet another Saban and Smart 
conference championship game, a championship game variety between these two. Uh, and again, such a chance, you know, for there's a rematch chance in there if Alabama wins in Atlanta, you name it. But again, going to spend this time, the Vols, they don't even get an orange cast after that god-awful showing in Columbia, Missouri. You're just going to get some brief thoughts. Uh, Dan and I talked about not orange casting this game uh, when we when we recapped the the beatdown by the Missouri Tigers. Uh, what what could Tennessee do? What could they do? Pray. I mean, they could could they? They're not going to run the ball well enough exclusively uh, without everything clicking to beat Georgia. When you know they're not getting stops against Missouri, they didn't get stops against Florida, they didn't get stops against Alabama, uh, and again talking about enough stops to win the games. How are they going to get stops against a team that just put 6-11 on Ole Miss at home? I mean, how are they going to find the stops? You got Brock Bowers. What a warrior. He's already back from his tightrope procedure. That blows my mind. Who Who's going to match up on him? Elijah Herring? Aaron Beasley? I'm not bashing anyone. I'm just saying he's the best. Uh, he's he's right there among the best players that, that we've got in the nation this year. Um you know, I don't. I don't see a path here, and and it kills me to be uh, not even doing a full episode on this game. But sorry, we 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 just. I don't. I don't see the point in it. I don't, you know, I can't get myself excited enough to talk about this game for uh, much longer than I have right now. You know, I don't see again. I've talked about it. A path for victory. Milton would have to be Superman. Uh, receivers are injured. You know, what kind of condition is even someone that's not out for the years, like Squirrel White, we saw him get banged up in the game uh, at times. What, what's his what's his condition like? You know, you talk about you'd have to have young receivers like a Nimrod or a Webb uh, winning winning battles uh, on the outside against, again, just a really, really good Georgia defense. Um, I am going to predict this game. I've not given any predictions for uh, for any of these other games that we've that we've looked ahead to in this kind of weird mixed episode, uh, which, you know, hope you're enjoying. Just kind of bear with us because life has come at your boys here lately. Um, you've got models out there, guys that, that run the models where it's like a three or a six-point Georgia win. That ain't me. You, there's not a model in the world that I would trust saying that. I'm going to say Georgia wins this one fairly easy. I'm going to go 42 to 13 dogs. That's kind of been the range of scoring in this game outside of 2022 when it was, what, 27 to 13, 26 to 13. Uh, you know, not as close as the scoreboard reflected in 2022 in Athens. Uh, Tennessee's got some things to figure out. There couldn't be a more perfect opponent to not figure things out against. This is the worst time for a matchup like this one. Um, kind of is what it is, but... I think it's going to be humbling. Um, I think it's going to show the recruits that are in, in attendance because there's a good list of visitors for Tennessee that they are needed. Hopefully it will be the message received that the environment can be great, uh, has been great during the Hopple era, and, and hopefully Georgia will at least have to win uh, over a rowdy crowd. I hope that, that the juice is in the stadium in there. Wouldn't mind being there, but not paying the price to, to get in the door again after a, a showing like we got uh, in Columbia, Missouri. Wrapping the puppy up, uh, I wanted to mention real quick, kind of in the same format as today's episode, just some of the other losers from week 11 heading into week 12. You've got Kansas. Uh, Kansas was playing four and five Texas Tech at home in Lawrence. Uh, 
and they managed to lose that game by three in a low-scoring battle. And again, we've talked about the improvement that Texas Tech has shown at times, but that's not been them this year. Obviously, with winning their fifth game in Week 11, that's that's not improvement. That is a down year. Uh, so Kansas falls to 7-3, and they are now treated with playing the Kansas State Wildcats at home, where they are 7.5-point home underdogs. Don't love that one. Wouldn't touch that if I was betting. Yet again, I'm not. Uh, but again, Kansas State and Kansas this week, just again, one of the other losers in addition to the Vols from Week 11. Oklahoma State had to really be the ultimate loser from Week 11. That 45-3 to beatdown and thrashing in Central Florida at Central Florida uh, also handed the Knots their fifth win on the year. That's that's pretty terrible. You know, UCF was 4-5 and five coming into that game and beat uh, a pretty good, what we thought was a pretty decent or a pretty at least above average Oklahoma State uh, squad. They beat them forty five to three on their home turf, which is again impressive by UCF. Terrible by Oki Lot. Um, Oki Lot does get it pretty easy on the way out the door for their season. Uh, they'll travel to Houston this week, then they'll host BYU in, in week thirteen. Um, and this is really the last thing I want to talk about in, in wrapping this episode up. The Hosman race, uh, the most outstanding player in the nation race, if you've heard, if you've heard us give our thoughts on the award and, and how shameful it's handled most years, uh, the reason I talk about this is what Jaden Daniels did at home against the Florida Gators. 372 yards through the air for three touchdowns. Uh, no picks, I believe. Uh, despite the a massive amount of yards that he puts up, 234 more rush yards. He, how many have against Alabama? A million. He adds 234 more against Florida and two touchdowns. Uh, you might be thinking that he added that 234 on about 25 attempts. 12 attempts. 12 attempts, 234 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, if LSU was one loss, if they were – in playoff contention, or if they were undefeated, certainly there wouldn't be a, a Heisman discussion. It would be handed right now to Jaden Daniels because the dude is outstanding. Uh, and he's, again, playing just so much better than I ever imagined that he could have uh, against SEC competition, even in a year like 2023 when Florida's not Florida of old. Uh, you've obviously got Michael Penix. You've got Bo Nix. You've got Marvin Harrison still getting some talk. Um, but again, you can't convince me it wouldn't be Jaden Daniels if in, in two scenarios, if the award was truly given to the most outstanding player um, or if LSU, you know, met the criteria of the award and he was the best player on a, on a good team uh, on a better team because they've only, they've only got three losses, uh, but there's certainly no contender. Whereas Washington and Oregon are uh, and, you know, Brock Bowers would also certainly be involved in this conversation if it wasn't for the few weeks of, of injury uh, but again, major props to that gone getting back to health and, and getting back for what should, should, should certainly uh, be his last year of college football. That will do it for, again, week 12 preview, week 11 recap, pre-capping, uh, if you will. Thank you for hanging in there with me. Uh, thank you for checking out the show. I uh, hope you absolutely have a fantastic Saturday of, of watching the sport that we love. God bless and GBO.